Hey guys, it's me, Arielle. I just wanted to introduce myself briefly with high sound quality because the rest of the podcast has been recorded via Zoom. And so honestly, the quality is pure shit. Miriam and I are recording this very last special series finale of 7 Minutes in Heaven podcast remotely because we owe it to you guys In this episode, you'll find an explanation as to what is going on. We answer all of the advice questions and other questions that y'all have submitted. And there's also an extra special tweet. Before we get started, I also just want to announce a little fundraiser we're doing. We have created a special edition, limited edition, white titty t-shirt. So it's like white titty shirt. Get it? I don't know if I said that right. It's super, super cute. And 50% of the profits are going to the Sex Workers Outreach Project. That's at swap underscore USA on Instagram. Their website says the Sex Workers Outreach Project is a national social justice network dedicated to the fundamental human rights of people involved in the sex trade and their communities, focusing on ending violence and stigma through education and advocacy. So sex workers are excluded from the CARES Act, which is the federal coronavirus relief bill. So all of this money, well, 50% of the money is going to go towards helping sex workers. So I hope that you buy a shirt. I'm going to buy a shirt as well because we're using this really dope website, Bonfire, that uh, works with fundraisers and philanthropies to make t-shirts. So I actually have to buy one myself. I'm really excited to get one. All right. Without further ado, let's go. I may or may not be pregnant. What? Like immaculate conception or coronavirus just like made me miss my period oh. so i'm gonna take a pregnancy test later and put Wait, it on you, tiktok you haven't had sex I haven't had sex in like two months maybe even more than that and yeah and you're in that time i've been feeling like i'm getting my period for the past month basically like getting all the cramps and random stuff and like in the morning i take a finger and and check and it always comes out clear so i'm either you know like growing a child or just stress. I've never missed a period before, so that's why it's so weird. Um, yeah, it's probably stress, but that's still weird. I'm feeling really depressed lately. How about you? Um, I'm sorry to hear that. I I feel like it. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that was bitchy, my bad. I mean, I think this whole like situation does not yield to the best version of yourself for sure. Um, I've been feeling more like anxiety and yeah. like, doom, like existential doom of like, holy shit, I'm 25. Likely like things are going to be normal when I'm 27. And like, for me, I know that there's no like real timeline for when things should happen, but like, I want babies when I'm in my thirties and like, I want around and be a slut for a little longer and like explore more. And I don't want to like try to settle down and find someone to have babies with. And I feel like 25 is so much younger than 27. Sorry for anyone who's listening to this, who's like 27 or older, but that's <laughs> because I feel like every decision I've made in the past few years has been like, I'm fucking young. And like, I've had so many monologues to my friends of like, we're young, you know, and now it feels like, like I had this, uh, this, I've been having a lot of anxiety dreams. And one of the dreams I had, it was my 25th birthday. And I had like the best night of my life. Like I had such a fun party and all, everyone I loved was there and it was so amazing. And then I went to bed and then the next morning I woke up and it was my 26th birthday. 
and people were like, oh my God, happy birthday. And I was like, has it been a full year? And everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Miriam, that's such an interesting dream, especially because your party, you canceled your party. Yeah. I'm so, so glad like- I canceled. So I was supposed to have a birthday party um, when like the stuff was just starting and people were still like going out to bars that weekend. But I was like, I need to cancel my party. And I'm so glad I did because my roommate had coronavirus and everyone at my party would have gotten it. Mm-hmm. She did? Yes. And all the, I had so many friends telling me like, why are you canceling it? Like you're letting the terrorists win, shit like that. No, yeah. I remember when you when you canceled, my house was like, whoa. And we, we were going to have this murder mystery party the, fri- that, yeah. the Friday night party was a Saturday and we ended up canceling. But at first, like, I guess I thought that was very on brand for you to cancel. And then I was wondering if you were like, oh, like coronavirus is overshadowing my birthday. But really, <laughs> you're, just, <laughs> you're like, my roommate literally has it. Well, is I didn't okay? know that at the time. She's okay. Um, I hadn't seen her like when she had it because I let, I like worked from home for two days. My office is like, don't take public transit. They were one of the first to do that. Thankfully, wow. I did job. But um I worked from home for two days and I was losing my shit climbing up the walls. And I was like, I need to go to Westchester to my parents' house because I was like, not doing okay. I also remember you being like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to your party. I might go to Westchester. And I was like, you're definitely going to Westchester. And you're like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to, but here we are. Have your masturbation habits changed under quarantine? So I have not really been masturbating. Like, oh, so I've had, I have had like a few times, um, like there was this exodus, I guess that's not the right word, but like a lot of people, well, not a lot, but two people both wanted to sex at like this within the same like few day period. And it was people I haven't really sexed with before. So that was really exciting and fun for me. And I did. But then after that, both of them kind of lost interest and weren't trying to sex anymore. But you didn't lose interest? No, I mean, I'm not like necessarily interested in either of them. I'm more, I'm just like horny. So I would text them and neither of them were down. So then I was like, okay. And now I don't know. I just haven't really been masturbating. I've been spending a lot of time with my family. Like I don't really, I feel like when I live with my friends or with my roommates, I'm more solitude-y because I go out so much and hang out so much. When I come home, I just want to chill. But here, I'm just, like, with my parents and my sister and my dog all the time and don't really have a lot of alone time. I guess Tula's, like, the biggest upside to this. Yeah, Tula's been everything. We've gotten so close, and she's incredible. Tula is her dog, if you guys don't know. She's like, leaning in to talk to them. <laughs> what about you? They haven't changed. Like, I still masturbate almost every day. Um, I have been trying to use Pornhub more the way that I do, like, Spotify Discover Weekly, so like actually upvoting things that I like and adding them to lists. Ah. Suggested things are more like what I actually like. That's awesome. I get a, lot of, a lot of like milf porn, and I actually don't like milf porn, but I do sometimes. We'll see like stepdaughter milf, and it depends on the actress. I'm just like not into. Wow, they have to refine that for you. Yeah, get your shit. Yeah. Together. Your skin looks really good. You know what? I think it's like the Zoom filter. 
Uh-oh. I got this lar- like it's it's way down now, but it was a comically large pimple before I had one over here. And it was like a period pimple, but no period. And then I and now I have like do you see that one? Ew. Oh, they're like I used, a, I used a blackhead sucker thing. <laughs> I oh. could probably put my too. And it sucked something out too much on this side. Oh my god, this is really gross. I'm gonna stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so bad because uh i guess iud update should i do an iud update uh, um so two months. yeah i got my iud like around thanksgiving and this is my second period since getting it and my skin has been so bad like that's why i have a snapchat filter on right now <laughs> like, I, the worst is that i can deal with cheek pimples like i i got those last time i had my period on the iud but right now it's around my mouth and it's like painful. And my dog yesterday was like licking my face because we make out every morning and she bit, she like bites my lip a little bit because she's like a passionate lover. And she bit my lip pimple and it was so painful. Like I'm still in pain from that and it was 20 Oh my God. (laughs) I thought you were going to say it popped. Oh no, 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 no. I I feel like that would have been almost better. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. The pimples are the worst. I'm hoping that, like, I'm basically I'm trying to write it out and see because I think, like, from what I was reading, when you stop taking the birth control pill, your hormones have to restabilize, so that might increase acne, but also the IUD can cause acne. So I want to, like, give it a few more months and see what happens with my skin. Um, I mean, for me, my skin's really important. I'm honestly not even having sex right now. So I was thinking about, like, if my skin doesn't get – if like – this is only for my period, and when my period ends, it's going to go away. But, like, if the acne lasts half the month, then, like, <laughs> I only have Are you period. not taking this spironolactone stuff that our doctor prescribed you? No. So I was taking it, and it, it, it basically, it's a pill that lowers your testosterone levels, um, and it's supposed to decrease, like, the hormones that make acne happen, which is testosterone. And so I was taking that because I freaked out when I got acne at my last period, um, and it made me so dizzy. Like every time I would stand up quickly, I would get so dizzy. And I was like, honestly, I'd rather have acne than be dizzy all the time. Wow. I would probably rather yeah. be dizzy. <laughs> I mean, I also have dry mouth and heart palpitations, like all this shit. And I was like, I don't, I don't need to be doing this to my body. Like it just, my body didn't work with it. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for everyone. It's also like for people with like high blood pressure. Yeah. So my sister was taking it and then she took a bath. And um, she passed out because it lowers your blood pressure and baths lower your blood pressure. Yeah. That's scary. Did she wake her up or did she like wake up promptly? She called us. She was like, guys, I'm about to pass out. We were like, okay, we're coming. Oh my God. How long is your bush right now? Very long. I've been playing with it a lot. (laughs) Every time I play with mine, I think of you, which is all the time. I didn't shave like anywhere but the other day I started shaving my lips mm. I just want to feel like a little sexier like I could somebody could come and eat me at any moment right. <laughs> please dear god <laughs> uh, but it's weird how like the majority of the hair grows right at the top of like the clit like the skin the the mons over that instead of like the whole upper part do you know what I right. mean mm-hmm. like, the bottom triangle and I want it to be more flush and like out up here yeah, I think it's there to 
filter bacteria and shit. And that's why it's like yeah. more. That's true. Yeah. To filter out STDs. I want to do a, an Instagram pube check. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> posts one pube in, in next to um, um, a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> How long are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's how it'll cool. catch on. Should we like talk about what why we made the decision we made? Do you want to kick it off? My work at the well, the beginning of the year was really tough for me because like a lot of shit happened that like we're all aware of, like Iran and the Australia fires, and I was reading this book called Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino, which made me like into a socialist. So. I have had, like, a big ideological shift in my life. Um, 2020 has been, like, such a dumpster fire. I think everyone feels that way. But also, work has gotten really, like, serious for me. And this is the first time in my life that work has actually been, like, pretty fulfilling, where I've been busy and, like, doing a lot of shit. Um, At my last job, I, like, it was just so disorganized, and I had different bosses all the time, and so I never felt like... I had that flow and now I feel like I know what I'm doing. I've had this job for almost a year now and my responsibilities are growing and I can kind of like do my work uh, without that much help. Um, And like at the end of the day when I'm done working, I don't have the like the capacity to be putting in good work, I think for the podcast. Um, Ariel and I have both have like really, I mean, obviously not right now, but pre quarantine have very intense social schedules. Like, we're both popular. Yeah, we're both pretty popular. Like, you know, we we have like our friend groups definitely intersect, but we we have very rich friend groups and we like do a lot of shit. We're very much New Yorkers, I feel like in that way. Like we're really running around and have no free time. And so scheduling time to record is tough. Scheduling time to like make the recordings happen is tough. Hanging out together and like it being all about business is tough. And like, I mean, our friendship grew from this podcast. Like, I don't, I don't know if we'd be this close if we didn't make a podcast together. Like that was such a crazy experience, but I feel like our friendship has kind of like lost its strength because we weren't able to just hang out as friends all the time. Like when we hang out, it's business talk. And like, like we won't talk until we have our meeting and it's like that strain. Yeah. And then I feel felt like really guilty feeling like I was letting you down because I wasn't able to pull like my weight and making this podcast awesome and like doing all the things that we wanted for like our vision for it I felt like I was holding you back so um ultimately I decided like I'd rather just not do this anymore (laughs) um and you know when we took the break I said this to Ariel before but when we took the break I really thought that that's what I needed that I just like needed some time to not think about the podcast and I think Ariel knew this would happen, but I really didn't think it would. And like after having time not doing the podcast, I was like, I actually really don't want to do this. Um, it's really hard for me to give up things, like especially things that I love and like brought me so much joy. But at a certain point, like it was just bringing stress to my life and not joy. <laughs> I, think it, I think the growth of the podcast has a lot to do do with where you were at in life you had all that extra time and then now that you have something that's fulfilling your job which you love and you're like taking ownership of all these projects that is something that's so important and necessary that then to also care about something else is really depleting and like just don't have the bandwidth to do that and I totally understand where I'm coming from life was just getting super stressful I kept I think apologizing on Instagram for like not being available I think everyone has noticed like on orgasmic I mean that mm-hmm. I I changed 
how active I am in terms of stories. I don't really share those questions and answers anymore because it's really time consuming. So the more <clears throat> or the bigger that SMH got, the less time I had for other stuff. And then I would just get so overwhelmed that I'd be like, fuck it, I can't do anything. So then I would edit the podcast late and I'd keep pushing when we would record and recording the day of that it was going to go out. And it was just becoming way too much. The strain on our relationship was also very noticeable. So somebody wrote in our Google Doc, they said, I noticed that the two of you had been drifting apart throughout the new episodes, so I'd stopped listening. There seemed to be a lot of tension. But I love you both, and you've educated me so much through my sexual journey. Love you. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, clock. (laughs) Not even offended because... Yeah, I think probably the last like two or three episodes, they were coming out so sporadically. And I wouldn't say that like somebody who was just starting to listen, they wouldn't be able to tell that. But we were like resenting having to do the work at all. Yeah, we also had that like live stream thing we were doing. So we were like, I think just doing too much. (laughs) That was such a big thing to get vocal. It was was definitely fun. But we realized like when the month that we did that is when everything kind of bubbled up to the surface and we're like this is just way too fucking much and we can't do it so then I had a lot of thoughts on how to reformat the podcast I was considering doing like a seven minute sex news thing so I could keep SMH um and then doing this like video series or whatever but I realized I was just trying to hold on to a relationship that needed to end and the relationship being like the podcast not Miriam and me and I just wasn't ready to let go of something that was so successful because I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to do anything else like that but since the hiatus that Miriam and I took I have this is so cliche but I really like the imagery I think just like being a phoenix rising out of (laughs) the ashes (laughs) and I was really upset and it was hard for me to process my emotions about this ending but ultimately, I think remembering SMH Pod as like this beautiful time capsule of a project that Miriam and I did that created our relationship, that obviously helped so many people develop their sexualities and stuff, I think is really amazing. And I'm so happy that it happened. Um, and just really looking forward to what we do in the future. So, what happens after this? On my end, I have. Um, a newsletter called The Whorehouse that I just launched. Um, you guys should subscribe to it. If you go to my link in bio at Horgasmic, all the links to everything are there. Um, and what I'm going to do is add a second newsletter to the week that will just be dedicated to sex news. And I'll probably do a little blurb about some new studies so you guys are still getting that information. Um, and there probably won't be any ads in that one, but I can't promise that there won't be ads in the the first newsletter out the week on Sunday nights. Um, And SMH pod is still like super bingeable. So it's not going anywhere. It's still living on all of your streaming services. We're going to have highlights on our feed without everything um, that you can like show and and share your friends to. Obviously like it's a news podcast, but everything is basically evergreen because it's about sexuality. Um, And then as for the Instagram page, Miriam, Yeah, I'm going to turn it into something like kind of what it's been already, like sex memes. And I'm doing a virtual book club on May 3rd. Everyone needs to read Pachinko. That's literally why I'm doing the book club, because I just want everyone to read it. Um, And I'm talking about it with my really good friend, Jackie, who made our first 
artwork, if you guys remember the original. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't really know like where it's gonna go, but it's still gonna be sex memes. I've been posting a lot of TikToks lately and just shit that I find funny. So if you think I'm funny, which I am, um, you should continue to follow me <laughs> on there. But it's not gonna be SMH Pod anymore. I think I'm gonna make it Miriam69, but I don't know if that's not taken. So we'll see. <laughs> I hope it's not. It's I a very good, so. strong handle. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see where Miriam takes her page. And I hope that you guys still follow along. We're still going to be providing similar information on social media as we were before. And just like, we'll probably come out with new projects. I'm actually launching a new podcast um, this coming Thursday. I'm assuming. Oh my God. (laughs) It's called Oral History. It's with my roommate, Rachel. And it's about... Uh, seductresses in history from Cleopatra to Jessica Rabbit. Ah. Yeah, I'm really pumped about it. And this was a podcast that was born out of like um, wanting to do something that was still in the sexual vein, but very different from SMH. Um, so I'm definitely not talking about my personal adventures as much. Wait, speaking of, we didn't even like, do you even have any updates? No. (laughs) But like dating in the time of Corona. I've been talking to one guy on Hinge who like I'm kind of excited about, but it's like, there's, there's really nothing to like, what am I supposed to do? A few weeks ago, I messaged him after we'd been talking and I was like, when this is all over, we should get drinks sometime. And he was like, yeah, we should. And then we stopped talking because you know me, I'm not a big texter. And then he started like messaging me again, but there's like nothing to talk about. Like we don't know. Yeah. Each- it's weird. It then shifts the relationship into this like weird online thing that like you don't want. Yeah. And then what if everything's there and then you build it up and then you meet and then it's bad. And then it's just like, but on the other hand, it's, it's kind of nice to have an emotional support hinge person. Right. <laughs> like someone who will message me back. I've also been uh, like Italy. <laughs> initiating words with friends games i mean i've been initiating it with like everyone i've ever met but like with guys i want to fuck too i had this like heroin boyfriend do you remember yeah so he moved around he moved in my neighborhood um and we had to start getting to talk and i basically have like a bunch of little dates with him they're they're definitely not dates but we go walking oh my god that's so cute that's cute. He's fun. What happened with Bleed? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. I, w- I was seeing one of my guy friends for a while, um, but I think that I know what I want, and I think he's a little younger and just doesn't, not there. And um, I think we're better as friends. And so this whole distancing thing, it like happened over like the week that we distanced. And. We still talk, like we're still texting, but um, I feel like he can't fulfill my sexual needs like I would like. Mm. And I'm not sure anyone really can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that like comes from you, right? Not from other people. No, I don't just mean orgasm. Like he's actually really good at eating me out. Just like I need a lot of physical touch and words of affirmation to feel appreciated that's my those are my love languages and I don't think those are his I think that he has 
trust issues, maybe ab abandonment issues. And I understand mm -hmm. those like, so do I, but they manifest differently. And I've had such immense growth in the past year, like crazy. I feel like I talk to people. Oh my God, this guy who I went on a date with last year from Bumble. I don't know if you remember it. His name was Willie. He was like super jappy. I don't know. <laughs> he had already started the podcast because I was telling him about it and he was like listening. So we go back to his place. He was before the date. He was texting me so much. He seemed really fun. And I meet him and he's like that jappy flitty type that I'm not into. That's Jewish American princess fucking Long Island douchebag for those who don't know this thing. <laughs> and we get back to his place. Everything, he's like very good sexually at everything, but didn't do it long enough. So he obviously just only cared about his own orgasm. Mm -hmm. And the worst part was that I was really adamant about him using a condom. I was off birth control and also just, you know, STDs. Or maybe I was on birth control. I definitely was on it. But anyway, he like put the tip in without the condom. And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, seriously, like, don't make a big deal about it. Like, I, I wasn't... So he was making me feel bad for like standing up for myself. And then so he puts the condom on and then he basically ghosts me after. But then with like breadcrumb, like sort of message me, whatever. So back to present day, this was like probably over, over a year ago. He just slid into my DMs, sent me that um, April 16th is like National Horny Day thing. Mm -hmm. So I posted on Instagram, it did really well. And he... Um, he was like, I know you're just as horny as I am now. So like, hi. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, hello. And we're talking, we're talking. He asks me if I can send him that coronavirus like butt pic that I did. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look at my highlight. I'm orgasmic uh, sexting under coronavirus. Oh, yeah. And so basically it's like an ass shot, but I put a white out over the ass. So like you only see skin basically, but like not the heart of it. Not the juice. And not the juiciness of it. So I, um, I was like a little bit drunk. And so he was asking me for the nude. And I was like, why the fuck would I send you a nude after all this stuff? So I basically called him out on everything. And he was really defensive at first. Um, and I was like, wow, has nobody ever confronted you about, um, about the sex before? And but he ends up apologizing, which I appreciated. Word. And, um, at first, I was like, just subscribe to my OnlyFans. And he was like, seriously? Like, I didn't know you were monetizing your body. And I was like, I mean... You want to see it, bitch. <laughs> How bad like, wow. <laughs> so, so I'm a little drunk. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll send it to him. So I send him the picture. And he goes, his response is, damn, I thought I was going to see some pussy. Because I was wearing a thong. And you couldn't see that under the whiteout. And I was like, that, I said, that was the worst response ever to a sexy photo. And he was like, I'm sorry, like, I couldn't see it, but can't, can't wait to see what else you got. And I was like, what makes you think I would send another picture? So I unsent it and then just stopped talking to him. Wow. Really Fuck that guy. Wow. What a loser. And this also reminds me, have you seen Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? No, not yet. Okay. It's so good. And there's this character who really reminds me of him and I totally clocked it. He's so Jewish and he only has like 20,000 followers right now. So I'm gonna, I need to finish the show and then I'm going to message him and see if I can write an article for Alma and be like this guy, his name is Bryce. Bryce is like the quintessential, like fucking Long Island douchebag. Who <laughs> 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 was asking me for news. Um, this obviously all depends on it being accepted, but 
anyway, just like some random people are coming out of the woodwork to sex me. And after doing it for a few times, I'm just like over it because I haven't actually had sex with them in so long. And it just doesn't even feel like anything anymore. Mm. I just spoke for a long time. So should we get into questions? Yeah, let's answer some questions. But if your question's about sex, not snakes, then ask it here on Sex Questions. Your podcast gave me so much laughter, validation, and the courage to be the slut I've always wanted to be. Thank you for the work you do. Going to miss listening to you guys. So sad to see this podcast ending. SMH is the first podcast I listened to. It's the podcast. They got me to start listening to podcasts. You girls will be missed. Uh, I'm so sad. I love that pod and listen to it all the time on my way to class. Are you guys going to do something similar? I don't want it to end. Um, ooh, not even a question, but I'm devastated that this is ending. Yup, drama queen here, LOL. I started <laughs> listening on episode seven and didn't miss any episode. You guys helped me gain confidence and feel powerful in my sexuality. I'm no longer ashamed of anything, and anyone who's got head for me should tip you guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I, no I love how you're no longer ashamed of anything. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want everyone to feel. Just don't be ashamed of anything. <laughs> Unless you're I not- my pants in public. I don't fucking care. Yeah, don't be ashamed. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> SMH pod. Um, I truly cannot wait to see what's best for you. I hope there's something involving both of you together because I love the dynamic of your duo. Stay safe and amazing. Lots of love, girls. I guess also just to know, like, the door on us working together is not closed. It just is at this time, we have too much going on. We're too cool. Sorry. But, like, you're cool. <laughs> no, maybe here or there we'll do a surprise something. We have no idea. So definitely yeah. keep following. Okay, 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 okay. Questions. First one. Sex hurts and uh, I don't know what to do about it. Sounds like vaginismus. Yeah. You should watch Unorthodox. They talk about vaginismus, which is fun. Um, so good. There's, I think like the, everyone says therapy, but I know therapy is really expensive. If you can't afford it, um, just try to like read about vaginismus and get Onut, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Onut is this device that I've I've tried before. It's like a squishy sort of jelly thing that goes on the dick and it prevents it makes the dick easier to like go in. So you might not have vaginismus, but you also might and vaginismus is basically when your mind and your body aren't in congruence. So you might be super wet, but you're like actually really anxious inside. And so your, your vagina, which is a muscle, contracts and then it doesn't let anything inside. You also just might have a really tight puss <laughs> and you or can do like not, you don't have enough foreplay or not like ready yet. You know, maybe the people you're having sex with are moving too quickly. Maybe you don't feel like you can communicate with them to slow down. So like, you know, just be really communicative and say, don't do anything that hurts you. If it hurts, you don't have to do it. Definitely don't do it. 
Yeah. Watch Unorthodox. Yeah. Okay. Advice on how slash where to find another girl to have a threesome or more with my boyfriend and I. He is super hot, a firefighter, and very fit. And the only thing I want to do is fuck him with one to four other girls, LOL. But it is harder to find other girls than you would think. Okay, I'm down. Yeah, hello. Text me. (laughs) (laughs) You have our email, dsmhpod at gmail.com. I actually have such a perfect app right now. Well, first of all, you can go on Tinder and, like, put a picture of both of you. Honestly, I like as someone who has been on Tinder looking for ladies, I hate, hate, hate couples. There's so many couples if you say that you're into women on Tinder who are like looking for a third. And I think like going on Tinder is kind of intrusive of that space, honestly. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know it's worked for some people, but maybe it's better to do it for like, I don't know what the best way, but I think Field, and I know you're gonna, you were mentioning an app too, but I've used Field. It's like four threesomes. Everyone you know there is like, either down for a threesome or like it isn't going to get like they can filter it so they don't see threesomes you know I think tinder should be reserved for like fuck boys <laughs> fuck boys <laughs> only <laughs> I mean, yeah i don't know i've just i've heard a lot of people in the queer community like be upset that especially queer like people who like women and non-binary people like seeing all these couples there because you're just invading space you know there's just like less you're, you got all these couples and like yeah you can just swipe left on them but i think it bothers some people i don't know so but i, think I don't understand why what's what is tinder for who is tinder for isn't it not for everybody yeah but when you're like when i say that i'm interested in women and men on tinder and i say that i'm bisexual um i get so many couples and it's like that's not what i want and then it kind of makes me feel like i don't know it just like, like i don't want to only like a girl if, if a dude is involved yeah, yeah yeah i guess so and like just because i'm bisexual doesn't mean i want to have sex with both of you at the same time you know right right um, well i guess the couples have dominated tinder and so if you're really looking for a like a threesome like that then going to a place where you can filter more like fields. And then I was going to say this new app I just found out about, it's called hashtag open. Um, also, if you go to Horgasmic and use my link, I will get a, a dollar for that. So definitely mm-hmm. download it. But you, you can put hashtags for everything that you're interested in and also what you're not interested in. And the, um, the feed, which also can come up, it's like a swipe feed or it comes up as um a scrolling thing like grinder what would you call mm-hmm. that like a graph whatever and like everyone who matches what you like and don't like will pop up but it is new so there aren't like a ton of people on it but when i downloaded it there were a lot in new york city so miriam you should check it out too because there were a lot of cute girls all right yeah so download open and field and i think like leave tinder for the singles <laughs> <laughs> I like this question. How do I get Ariel's level of confidence? That's so funny because usually people ask me about um, not being able to orgasm because I'm not confident and asking the confident questions to Miriam. So thank you. And I think it has to do with um, growing from a lot of trauma and using humor. Okay. Hi there. Love the pod. My question is, do you think that the added aspect of handcuffs, bondage, etc.? adds more to your sexual experience and makes you come more. I seem to have a more intense orgasm, even from oral when I'm cuffed. Thanks. You're into BDSM, you crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> no, it's like, this is something that I've been coming in terms with a lot. Like BDSM is definitely a sexuality. Like 
I can't be in a relationship if I'm not going to have BDSM. Um, you just like that shit. So you should explore it. And like, yeah, the orgasms are better because it's better. You think it's a sexuality or like a sexual lifestyle? I, I think it's a sexuality because I, I think like we've only come to define sexuality as like what gender you're attracted to. But I think polyamory is a sexuality or I think that like for me BDSM is non-negotiable like if I'm going to be in a serious relationship with someone I need to have that aspect in my life otherwise the relationship won't be successful and I'll feel unfulfilled and I don't know what it's like to pretend to be someone you're not I mean I guess I do but like I I feel like it's kind of the same as someone who's not interested in men dating men anyway well you know that you can like learn to be into BDSM I think some people are more open-minded than others definitely and can learn in a way that I guess you can't like learn someone to be straight yeah is the word (laughs) but I do think there's some people who just aren't like I've been with people who just don't want to do it you know they're not into it they don't feel comfortable with it even though we like had sex a lot of times I'm thinking of a specific person but but, like when I was with him I was like I knew that I could never be in a serious relationship with him because I knew that he couldn't fulfill me the way I needed yeah, that that's something I'm I'm struggling with this with this heroin boyfriend guy. First of all, he's been sober for over a year, everybody. Oh, that's great. But I know I know that the sex, like he's so vanilla, and I know that it's just gonna be like that. And I wonder, can I get him to like slap me and choke me? I don't know, but I wanna try. Also, it's like the only like legitimate prospect I have right now. Yeah. <laughs> As I got to work with like with what I got, but regarding polyamory being a sexual orientation, like I mean, do you think monogamy is a sexual orientation? Because I see that as like a a relationship preference. I think it's an orientation. I think people who are poly can't not be monogamous, and I think people. I think the issue is that like it's kind of how we have compulsory heterosexuality. You know, where like we all just were raised with the assumption that we're heterosexual. And so like all the scripts that we have are about heterosexuality and it's so hard to leave that and like explore other things. Um, I think it's the same with monogamy. Like we have compulsory monogamy and like people, it works for a lot of people, but I think it doesn't work for way more people than we know about. And we just don't hear from them because they feel like shit when they cheat on everyone that they've ever dated. And we're like, you're trash. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. More studies on that. It has to be like a long longitudinal study on following from birth to death. I just, I know people who are poly who like will never be monogamous and will never be happy in a monogamous relationship. So that feels like a sexuality. It's confusing. Like it's hard to talk about this kind of stuff with my mom because she's, she's a psychoanalyst. And so all of her Freud stuff comes in and she's like, no, people were made for monogamy. Like people who are cheating or or not cheating, but people who are having multiple uh, relationships or asexual, like they're just stunted in some way or repressed. And that's what I was raised on. Not that I believe it, but it's like I'm getting information from my mother who is an authority figure to me that I'm like, wait, this is confusing. But I know so many poly people. One of our good friends is polyamorous. Emma, she was on um, the second episode. Third. The third episode. So like I totally don't negate that. But yeah, I guess you're right. It can be a sexual orientation and we should be seeing it more like that. That would totally normalize it. Right. By being like, that's just, you can't change their preference. But that's a long time coming. My wife is new to masturbating and I'm so happy for her. So we can swap porn vids. That's up to her. Yeah, just ask her. Yeah, ask her she feels comfortable with that 
Have you watched porn with people? Me? Yeah. Um, you? <laughs> I watched porn with two sexual partners. One and another one we used to like a third one we used to send each other like sexy gifts. Would you be like, this is what I want to do to you? Yeah, yeah. Cute. Um, I used to be obsessed actually with this Tumblr, Lady Cheeky. They have a website now. I feel like it's not as good anymore, but I don't know. Uh it's like sexy gifts and it focuses on female pleasure. And there's some videos and some pictures, but mostly gifts. It's fun. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I've watched porn with a few people and I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the I've talked about this before, but like when I watched porn with my ex, he showed me videos that like because he, we were both really into BDSM and it was my first time doming, and so he would show me videos of doms, and that it was more like I was taking notes rather than it was like sexual, you know? Yeah, porn is just kind of sex out anyway. This is a long one. All right, due to a bad experience when I was in quotes sleeping. My boyfriend at the time, this is when I was 13, I'm now 18, uh, trigger warning, sexual assault, started touching me all over and I got a massive panic attack. And after that, he just continued when I was calm again. I find it really hard to still have sex with guys and I need to be drunk to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. I can't come as well during sex, only with myself. I'm ashamed to tell someone about this because I didn't get raped. So I don't want them to think I want attention or that I'm overreacting. I'm scared that I will never have that full sex experience. Do you have any tips or can you help? Love the podcast. It has already helped me so much and it made me feel a lot more comfortable with myself than it was. I would say that you were definitely sexually assaulted. Being touched without consent, especially when you're asleep, is sexual assault. And that's that is really difficult to move on from. Yeah, and most sexual assaults happen with like someone that you know and care uh, about or like don't have power over. So I think you need to come to terms with that. I would recommend therapy. As I said, therapy is expensive. There are there's sliding scale therapy. So like if you can't afford it, there are cheaper options. There's group therapies like yeah. for survivors and it, these are like kind of buzzwords like survivor rape whatever, but um you don't have to like label yourself as that um, if that makes you feel weird, but definitely coming to terms with the fact that someone was touching you inappropriately without your consent. And, and it is extremely valid that you feel some type of way because of that. And, and until like Miriam said, until you come to terms with it, it's, it's going to be something that affects you. There's some books I have to recommend. I don't know if they're just going to be more triggering. Um, you can like see how you feel. There's two books I think, like touch on this in a really good way. Uh, one is, I just read it, Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow is the reporter who broke the Harvey Weinstein sexual assault story. And he talks about like, it's a really interesting book. I think anyone should read it, but he talks a lot about like power and how people get away with assault and how like sometimes you'll stay with your, the person who assaulted you for a while or like continue relationships with them. And like, that's very common for survivors. So, and also Know My Name by Chanel Miller, which will probably be the next book club read. Fucking amazing book. Chanel Miller's the person who was raped by Brock Turner, uh, the swimmer guy in Stanford who only got three months prison. She, She just writes about it so beautifully. It is very triggering. Like I had to take a lot of breaks reading it, but I feel like it really brought a lot of clarity to like what assault is and how it affects you. And like, it might make you feel seen, which is always nice. Um, If you need any extra help, you can definitely email us. And I think that Miriam is really 
equipped to speak on this. All right. Hey, guys. Love you. I love you, too. I'm wondering how you guys intertwine your religion slash spirituality into your sexual encounters. Uh, Personally, I just can't stop talking about the fact that I'm Jewish, but that's very much a culture for me. And um, it doesn't, like, sexually doesn't really, I don't know. Do you still, like, I know that the last guy you were seeing wasn't Jewish, but, and I feel like that kind of changed your mind about, like, your only Jewish thing. Do you still feel that way? Um, I guess I'm a little nervous to talk about this since so many people I know might be listening, but I think that when it started to dissipate and not like come to fruition as I thought it would be, I was sort of like, this is why I have to date Jews. <laughs> but Jews have actually like wronged me way more than non-Jews have. Um, so I, I, I was very aware that I was having that thought. And I think, I think I'm very much open to non-Jews now. The person just has to have similar values of mine, which is just basically being a good person. So yeah, I guess I was wrong. And what I initially said, it actually very much played into my sexual (laughs) encounters. (laughs) How about you? I feel like not. Yeah, no, I don't really care what I don't believe in God. I'm very, like, atheist. I fucking do. I'm not even spiritual. Like, I mean, I think there's a lot of beauty in this world. And, like, I think that um, I want to be with someone who acknowledges that. And, like, I think things don't happen for a reason. We just ascribe reason to it after the fact. Mm-hmm. I think everything's random and out of our control. And there's a lot that we don't know. And that's why we created religion, to explain those things. But I also don't know everything. And I might be wrong. So... <laughs> All that's to say that, like, uh, I couldn't really date someone who was religious. Like, I've been with guys who believed in God, and I would try to talk to them about it because I was curious, and they would always get really upset with me because I think I would make them question their religion with my questions. (laughs) Yeah, don't be doing that. All right. How am I going to survive without the weekly tea spill? Are you guys going to update on your dating life stories on your Instagram? I, like, do here and there. I'm not going to, so... (laughs) I'm actually really excited to not be divulging all the time because the men I sleep with, like, I totally get it. They're, like, very wary of the fact that I'm blogging about sex, and I can't hide the fact that I'm a sex blogger, so it makes them uncomfortable, (laughs) but they also, like... For example, the friend I was seeing, he didn't, he wasn't going to take away my agency and be like, you can't talk about that. So I was just trying to monitor myself as well as I could. But I, I definitely felt some pressure to like be bringing something to the table. And I'm, I'm kind of ex- looking forward to like not having to do that all the time. Yeah, I just feel like we live in this age where people, everyone should read Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino because she talks about this, but basically like we're supposed to be branding ourselves all the time, especially women and like giving so much of ourselves and we're curating our image, but we're also like, because of social media, because we're also interconnected, giving ourselves all the time. Like someone can just text me whenever they want and completely ruin my day. You know, (laughs) like it's just true. And I can do the same to other people. Like I've definitely done that before. And like, it's just... I think that there's certain aspects of my life that deserve privacy. And I don't think I can put a dollar amount on that. Like, I don't think anyone could pay me enough to just completely reveal my entire life. And that's why people like Kanye West 
have these massive breakdowns because they have no privacy. I think this whole thing, even though it was on a very small scale, made me realize that I don't want to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. Like this level of fame, quote unquote, is enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, okay. I, Miriam has had, in, like people, fans have interacted with Miriam so much in the real world. <laughs> And there was this one time that someone, it was on New Year's and they were like, oh, I was on the train and they were like, oh my God, I love your podcast. And that was so dope. But if we were ever like morphing, it would just be way too much. Yeah. Like that that level was fun because you're like, holy shit, what? You know, it's yeah. like a novelty. But then I think about even people I've approached in public spaces and I'm like, I I'd obviously am very respectful and have only done it like at an event that they're speaking at and they're expecting that. But even that, I'm like, can't really move through the world if people, if everyone knows who you are, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Really and like, you don't know if, if people like you for the right reasons. Yeah. And all these people who are like DMing me, like, I want to be your best friend. First of all, that's not the way to get me to be your friend. But like that fangirling stuff is super unattractive to me and makes me not want to interact because I'm like don't put me on a pedestal I'm worthless no (laughs) this is you know just anxiety talking when somebody this is like a pattern in my life when people start to really like me before I feel comfortable then it it pushes me away and I'm not into that yeah Um, okay this is the last question we have it is benefits of sex on MJ can MJ counteract the effects of SSRIs? Is that weed? I guess. Yeah. Like Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. Weed and sex, for the most part, I think for everyone is like very enjoyable, but some people can become too much in their head and like paranoid. But I, it does help a lot of women who have an orgasm before to relax when they're masturbating. And with SSRIs, I was on an SSRI for just one month. And I was smoking all the time, and I don't know if it was helping at all. Um, I think it's like you're probably you probably shouldn't be smoking if you're on antidepressants. But like, ask your doctor. Maybe. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> if you can't be smoking on antidepressants, you can probably still use weed lube, like THC lube, not CBD. Mm-hmm. THC lube is so tight. I fucking love that shit. I highly recommend it. Um, it gets your pussy horny. Nice. Can you believe only 17 U.S. states require medically accurate sex ed? Say it ain't so. Yikes. Yes, that is 100% true. It's no wonder nobody knows what they're doing. If you're looking to improve your sex life, foster better communication in your relationships, and learn what's actually going on with your body, look no further. Taboo University, spelled T-A-B-U, space university, has arrived. Consider this your sex ed 2.0, the educational experience you never knew you needed. It's raw, it's real, and most of all, it's reliable and relevant to you and your individual needs. There's no such thing as TMI. Um, so I think this is like a really great tool, especially since SMH Pod is ending, if you feel like you still need and want more sex ed, which you definitely do. So some of the courses they have are about like your period, dating with confidence, pain during sex. So if for that person who had pain sex question, um, you could take that class. 
and how to deal with mismatched desires in relationships. Cabo is amazing. It's what brought Arielle and I together. So make up for the gaps in your sex ed for all the things you're too afraid to talk about. Have better sex ed because sex ed has failed us all. Seek the pleasure you deserve. And when it comes to sex and relationships, Reddit forums just don't cut it. So again, go to talktaboo.com slash university for Taboo University today. have a surprise first of all you need a sex toy you should go to adamandeve.com use our code seven for 15 to 50 percent off and before you do that you should listen to miriam take it away i interviewed this amazing woman alicia sinclair who's the ceo of cotr is a group of three different brands that sell amazing high quality sex tools. It was an amazing conversation. So listen now. Enter interview. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Alicia Sinclair. I'm the founder and CEO of COTR, which is the parent company of brands B-Vibe, Lawan, and The Cowgirl. Yeah, very cool. And you guys just released on March 8th, International Women's Day, um, the new wand. Yeah, the Feel My Power wand. Yeah. Um, the launch party was really awesome on Friday. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it was fun, huh? Yeah. It was like, I felt like the last hurrah before this coronavirus it really kind of was because you know on saturday uh new york state declared a a state of emergency so it really it was like friday night and then boom like it felt like everything really took effect on saturday yeah but the vibrator is really cool um so beautiful and even like the bags that you guys gave us are awesome yeah um yeah so I'd love to get started with uh, a question about what inspired your career path. Um, Well, to be really honest, uh, I started in this industry almost like slipped on a banana peel. It was a little bit of an accident. I moved to Los Angeles and my sister was living there. I had gone to college in Seattle and I needed a job and like answered an ad in Craigslist, (laughs) like really dating myself. Um, But I just like needed a gig and I went to this company and they were paying a little bit better than other companies. Um, and like sort of a little bit um, like like weird about how they were describing the company, like somebody who's open-minded and, um, you know, like, so it was like, I was like, oh boy, what is this going to be? You know, like I had no idea what to expect, but then I went, I went to the, my first uh, sex toy company um, and it was a huge building, 170,000 square feet, and everybody was really professional. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. Like, I can work in this industry. I was applying for a master's degree at USC for a master's program, and like, I didn't think it was going to be a long-term gig. But I started, and I really liked the people that I worked with, and I felt I felt like I was part of a social movement, uh, specifically around like helping people um, feel better about the use of sex toys, about normalizing sexuality. And so I ended up staying in the industry, actually never went back to school. And I've, this is now my 18th year in the pleasure products industry. Damn. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Long time. You've seen, I'm sure changes from where it was 18 years ago to now. 
Yeah, pretty huge. I mean, almost so significant that I would have never imagined the kind of shifts that we've experienced in this time frame. I guess now I look back and I'm like, it's, you know, an entire lifetime, quite literally, you know, 18 years is a long time. But from when I first started, the way that people talked to me about my job, uh, a lot of us didn't, you know, a lot of folks in the industry were too afraid to tell people what we did. Mm. You know, we would, you know, experience a lot of um, like, just like personal discrimination, if you will. People thought that people, you know, that folks that worked in the sex toy industry were swingers or like had that, which also isn't a bad thing or were pornographers or which also isn't a bad thing. But you know, that we just experienced a lot of um, like discomfort around talking about what we did. And the conversation was like, you know, oh, what do you do? And you, and you tell somebody and they'd be like, oh, and now you would, you tell, I, well, I tell people specifically in like, you know, major cities, um, and folks are like, wow, that's cool. Can I get a sample? You know, like, so it's, the conversation has shifted so significantly that it's, it's really been a joy to be almost a part of it for this long and to see even the cultural relationship with sexuality shifting so significantly. That's so exciting to hear. I, I feel yeah. like there's still definitely stigma, but um, definitely a lot less. <laughs> it's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still people will ask me what I do on a plane, you know, often, you know, you sit down and then a person starts chatting with you. And I would never, ever, I would never tell anybody what I did for a long time just because it made, it made them uncomfortable, made them uncomfortable, not me. Right. And now I tell people and I'm like, I'm the CEO of a sex tech company. And people are like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it's just such a different, it's so pleasant to have gone from that to sort of where I am now, where I feel really empowered to talk about what I do for a living. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, and, uh, would you share with us your first sex toy purchasing experience, what that was like for you? Yeah. So let's see, like, I guess my first sex toy is like, in all honesty, was a repurposed back massager from like PBS. <laughs> so like I bought it kind of low key and like pretended like I was, you know, experiencing <laughs> that pain. So that was my real like true first sex toy, sort of my Guybird sex toy, which I know a lot of folks do. Yeah. Um, but I would say my like actual first experience, I was lucky enough to go to college in Seattle and I went to the first Babeland store, um, which is on Pike Street, right in Capitol Hill. Um, and that's a feminist run sex toy store. So it was, you know, really scary for me to be walking into a place that sold sex toys and like not knowing enough about my body or how to talk about things, but they're so well run that it was thankfully a positive experience, although really still scary for me as like a human at that point in my life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like Babeland is probably the best place you could go for your first sex toy. Yeah, I got really lucky because there's, yeah. you know, lots of triple X stores that might not have like led to the same experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. And so the three companies you run are B Vibe, Le Wand, and Run Ride the Cowgirl. Can you speak to like kind of what led you to create each of these companies and how they kind of work together under the COTR brand? And, um, yeah, so I would say like each of the brands shares similar philosophies. Um, really inclusivity. Like I'm a big believer that like sex toys can be used in lots of different ways on many different bodies. Um, and education has been really important for me. I became a certified sex educator in 2015 as we were starting COTR. Um, and really my goal was, I just felt there was a big gap between sex education and the folks that were making sex toys. 
Um, so we've always like filled our, all of our products, you know, inside the boxes, our websites with like tons of sex positive information. So like, I would say those are sort of the things that connect all three of them. And then the fact that they're premium, always body safe, have warranties, have true customer service departments, you know, like all the things I believe people should expect from sex toy companies, right? They're electronics, just like many other things that share similar like engineering. Um, and then each of the brands, um, really when I looked at the landscape of sex toys in 2015, uh, where I felt there was like white noise or a gap or like something really wasn't being done well or hadn't been improved for a long time. So for example, B-Vibe is only butt toys. We're still, interestingly enough, the only brand that focuses primarily on anal play products. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've just, we made, we have a couple patented items, you know, specifically the rimming plug, which is what we're really well known for, you know, rotating beads in the neck of the plug um, yeah. and a vibrating motor inside. So like a rabbit for your butt. Uh, <laughs> so that was like, so we started, so B-Vibe just makes butt toys, really good quality butt toys and like teaches people how to use them. And like literally like whatever like level or sort of uh, interest you have, like whether you're super experienced or it's your first time or like somewhere in the middle, there's something for everyone. And it literally is the, the like equal opportunity sex toy, right? Like yeah. anybody can enjoy it. This is B-Vibe. Um, Lawanda is primarily about front stuff. So uh, at the time, I really felt like wands had not been updated or upgraded in a long time. And the way that they were merchandised and sold was like one brand made a wand and one brand made an attachment and one brand, you know, maybe made something else like uh, that complemented the product. So my goal was to improve the product and like stop pretending that it was a back massager. <laughs> that was actually kind of my main goal is like, I think this is a bad, um, and I, you know, I had a lot of experience with that, you know, I was like, these are being used for masturbation, you know? So the way that we programmed the toy, right. Instead of having a couple different intensity levels, it has 10, um, they came with like attachments and complementary items and like, uh, all the included materials taught you about like sensitivity and maybe like lots of folks can, are concerned, will they ever have normal sex again or will they become addicted to their vibrator? So we filled, you know, like we made a little book that, yeah. you know, taught people how to use them. And then we've expanded the line now to also have mini vibes and like other products. But that was initially what we launched with. Um, and they felt very different and it didn't really for me, when we created B-Vibe, it was so intentional for it to be a butt toy brand mm -hmm. that it didn't really, um, for me to market and brand it properly, specifically in sex toy stores. Like when people walk into a sex toy store, I think you have to have really good merchandising and communication on mm -hmm. your products because there's, most people don't know brands. It's very right. hard for us to advertise. So like it was so important for me to establish where they're put in the retail store. So a lot of that was the decision to keep them different brands. Um, and Lawand anyway now has, you know, many, many vibes and, and so on and so forth and lots of complimentary accessories. And the cowgirl is really like the mega vibrator, right? The experiential, like, like, you know, like come, come to play, right. <laughs> like next level. And again, the same thing, a product that had not been updated, like sex toy machines looked a bit garish and old and like really had had no update in 30 years. So you know, we upgraded the machine in tons of different ways. It's larger, it's, it's a little higher, it has a saddle style seat, like it has an app, like it has a remote distance control. So basically those are the, you know, just looking at like where there was so much room for improvement mm -hmm. and like how to communicate the ways to use them to people. 
yeah, you brought, I feel like all these products into 2020. That was literally the goal. Yeah. Like to make them, as I say, they were meant to feel like modern electronics is because that's really exactly what they are. Um, if you think about like a toothbrush or a hand mixer or a blow dryer, these are all things that like add convenience to your life. And like, to me, a vibrator is like, convenience in my life you know like it can definitely like you know maneuver a lot faster than like fingers or a mouth and they feel good and they they have different ways that they like inhibit the body and enhance your sexual experience you know if that's what you're into so yeah that's always been my belief yeah I have to say my wand is one of my favorite toys that I have I love yeah thank you I'm so glad to hear that it's like a steadfast I'm like everyone you know if listen if you like vibration it should be like, it's part of like, I, I think an essential for your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned a few things that I want to touch on. Uh, the first of which was you were talking about how your products are all premium and high quality. Um, and we've talked about this before, how premium products mean it's going to be more expensive. And a lot of people, you know, might not know that they are going to like a toy um, or might be unwilling to make that investment. So what would you say to someone who, maybe is kind of hesitant towards spending that much money on a toy. I think if it's somebody who's like brand new to the sex toy category, like sometimes it is a good place to start is like a disposable product, like something that um, maybe you are, you only really expect it to have, you know, a six month life lifespan. If, if, if that, you know, some toys are, if you're buying something under $20, it's probably not going to last a very long time. You've probably heard me mention, you know, it's like the forever 21 concept, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of wear it until it dies and that could be two or three wears. And I think if you've never experimented with a sex toy and you don't know what your body responds to, that could be a good place to start, you know, inexpensive products. But I think if you experience something, and this is even my own story and a lot of stories of people that I know that really love and don't mind paying for quality sex toys, which is, you know, once you know that you like vibration, I think it's really great to sort of invest in something that you're going to love for a long time and it's never going to let you down every time you use it. So in that way, I would say like buy once, buy well, you know, like it's going to be like, I don't know, that great designer bag or pair of shoes or coat or thing that like you are never let down when you wear it goes with everything satisfies the need, you know, it's, it doesn't. So I think it's like you, if you think about that concept and then also when you're using it in parts of your body that have a lot of mucous membranes, Specifically, um, it's important to buy things like that are body safe, you know, and, and the reason really for that is a lot of products are made uh, with a chemical called phthalates, specifically soft toys. Um, and phthalates have been banned from um, baby bottles and children's toys, uh, primarily because they're, they've been shown to cause cancer. So I think it's important to recognize that there are, you know, there's possibilities of, of maybe long-term damage if you aren't really being careful with the type of materials that you use in your body. And not to say you have to buy a premium product to experience something body safe, but that is something that you're going to get when you, it's, it's a standard, right? Body safe toy, uh, premium toys are always, should always be body safe. I can't believe that that's not a requirement of sex toys that they be body safe. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not the FDA should be involved, um, specifically a lot of times around butt toys because of the way that they need to be shaped so that they don't actually go inside the colon, right? <laughs> That's true. Um, so there's like been a lot of discussion about whether whether or not the, FD, the FDA should be a part of the sex toy industry. And I think there's a lot of negative and positive aspects to both 
sides of that. But at this time, yeah, there's no standard. And uh, the only thing that we can really hope to achieve is uh, California Proposition 65, mm. uh, which is basically like across all consumer goods, which applies to sex toys in California as well, that they cannot have any known chemicals, phthalates, cancer-causing agents in any wow. of them. So that's what we use to certify our products in the United States. And that's the level that we adhere to. And then uh, overseas, they're CE and Roche certified and so on and so forth, according to whatever country has, whatever highest standard is for the country. Yeah. That's good to hear that at least someone's trying to push for something to protect people. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that you mentioned when you were talking about your companies was dealing with being having difficulties advertising and something we've talked about on the podcast a lot too, how Facebook and the MTA, Instagram uh, don't allow sex toy companies to advertise. Um, and yeah, would, could you speak to how that has affected your ability to run this, these businesses? Um, I mean, I think at like a really simplistic level, it just takes us so much longer. Um, it's a multifaceted problem because first of all, most sex toy companies are privately funded. It's very hard to get a bank to loan money or to get private investment. Now it's shifting and changing a little bit. There are, there is some private equity in our industry, but it's really new. Um, so that's like the first issue is that it's hard for us to get funding. Therefore hard for us to spend money on advertising. Um, even if there is money, the outlets to advertise are super limited. So take Instagram for a really simplistic example. Um, we do almost everything grassroots, meaning we, even though we have 10,000 followers plus, um, we can't use any of the shop products. So like a lot of companies where you might go on their page and they showcase an item and then you tap on it, it says shop products. Those aren't available to the adult market. Uh, we can't do any sponsor posts. So that's another way, which we're told you see, that's how a lot of, I mean, I would say I find cool new products through those sponsored posts. Right. Um, but we're also not able to take advantage of those. Um, and where it becomes tricky is, you know, we have to partner with other influencers and have those influencers do, do specific posts. And it just becomes a lot of, uh, just a lot more work. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's beneficial. We like doing it. We get to work with a lot of people we love, but we could probably get bigger a lot faster um, if we were able to take advantage of a lot of the really simple sales tools that every other business can, can use. Yeah. That's very frustrating. It really is. And also like the shadow banning that happens and also the fact that our account could be removed at any point in time. And also like, these are all really scary realities of being a sex toy brand. And that's kind of the sort of unsettling anxiety that you live with <laughs> in this yeah. particular field. Yeah. It really real impacts on your business and your ability to market in that yeah. tiny channel that you have. Yeah. And I mean, credit card processors sometimes will remove people if they find out that they're sex toy companies and mm-hmm. some banks don't want to work, you know, even have simple things like checking accounts. So there's still a lot of, um, it's just difficult, you know, it just makes our lives really difficult to find to, you know, people tend to use a lot of acronyms <laughs> or, you know, like COTR, for example, like we, tr- you know, a lot of those things are intentional so that there isn't a descriptive company name. And that it's unfortunate that that's how we have to operate. Cause I don't think that most folks want to feel embarrassed or shy away from what they do. It's just that that's how we're sort of socially conditioned by all of the different obstacles that are put in front of us. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you have to do what you have to do. I feel like it's just crazy yeah. to me because you would think at the end of the day, money is what matters. And these companies are such as yours are bringing in money. So no, (laughs) isn't that the bottom line? Yeah, you would think so. But like we've had, we've worked with really big websites 
and they'll be like, say in our top 10 customers, and then they'll get a new CEO. And that CEO has like, I mean, I don't want to say it's like religious, but like they have a reason that they don't want to work with us anymore. And we can go from overnight from having that customer to literally having them remove our, all of our listings. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a really crazy place to work. And I guess that's a reality for any business, right? Like mm -hmm. things can shift and change, but yeah, it is a bit like it feels different in our particular industry. Cause it's not about, as you said, it's not about the sales of money. It's about people's like personal belief systems. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit how at the beginning of your career, you wouldn't necessarily talk about where you worked uh, with people and how those attitudes have changed. Um, if you're willing to speak on this, how has your career path affected your personal relationships? Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> I would say, um, I mean, to be really transparent, I think it like limited the type of people that I, I don't know if I limited it by like sort of absorbing those attitudes and like feeling like nobody normal would want to date me, you know, but I feel like that was, I really limited myself to sort of dating people that were within our business, mm. you know, so I felt a comfort in that. Um, so I didn't, you know, have to deal with sort of like other people's attitudes about, uh, what I did for a living. Um, and obviously it's hard to hide that stuff. And even if you find like, say, um, someone to date that doesn't have an issue with it, like you also might want to take things to the next level and they have families and like right. their families might have feelings about it. So I know a lot of people that just literally lied to their families, some people that have never told their parents what they actually do. Um, and so that, I think that affects the type of relationships that I felt empowered to have, you know? Yeah. And even now, I mean, I'm lucky to have a friend group. Um, I think particularly where I live, not to say I don't have tons of industry friends, but in my home personal life, um, a lot of the folks I think feel more comfortable with what I do now that they've sort of had access to things like Instagram and they can kind of see it's a business. Right. You know, but I think a lot of perception is that we're all like running around having sex all day in the office. And like, that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, yeah. it's just like any other product, like any other, you know, the same analysis of like what sells and doesn't sell and the same type of budgeting and the same, but you know, like all those things are like a part of it, but it does and did definitely affect the way um, I felt like comfortable with having relationships with people. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I definitely with the podcast, even when I meet people, I'm like, should I tell them about this? Yeah. Um, but I think that's just the the industry we've chosen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so we met for the first time at the last, stu last stu supper. Uh, event to celebrate the line of butt plugs that you worked on with Zoe Lignon of Thongria. Um, could you kind of tell us more about the process of creating these butt plugs? Yeah. Um, so basically, Zoe had pitched, like, we wanted to work with Zoe, wanted to do a design collab. Um, I think Zoe's experience is similar and different. And it, and, I, in the same way that we did the Feel My Power, you know, it's like always nice to bring um, somebody else who's doing something cool in the sex in the sex industry and partner with them um, and like together build a cool collab. I feel like that's just really exciting for me because I enjoy, um, first of all, I like most, I really am like a fan of whomever we work with. Right. Um, so we knew we wanted to work with Zoe um, uh, and Zoe had, you know, she had pitched a couple ideas and she was like, you know, when I look at your collection, 
what I see missing is texture. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Cause I had like never thought of it. It just like literally something that I had never applied to the, you know, I was like, oh, and so whenever somebody can like show me something I don't know, or like give me an opportunity to improve, I get really excited. Um, so we knew that we wanted, I, I was like, great, let's do it. And it started really with, with Zoe. I think if you go onto her Instagram, some of the posts that she first did about it, if you slide through, you can see her original line drawings, oh. which are like pictures like pencil drawings and they're like so funny looking you know like one kind of looked like poop and one kind of looked like you know kind of like I don't know ice cream or something and they were so I mean I was dying but like, you know like she had the idea and the idea was and I was like oh yes and so then you know we took from that idea um, it starts with a line drawing a professional line drawing so then we give that to our in-house art team and the first you know and then they from that idea we had we went through and together we pulled out all these different textures like um for example bump is actually like a bunch of grapes mm. twist is literally like an ice cream cone yeah um, and then the the green one which i can't remember off the top of my head but like the, that one had um it was like a stack of cheerios or like like fruit oh, loop yeah. Yeah. So like each, so those, so those were the reference photos. So we had Zoe's, Zoe had a cut, had two actually initially, we ended up making three products. Um, and we had those line drawings and those like references of like these food things. And then we gave them to our team and then they like drew them and then we revised and then we drew them and then they revised. And then it just went through like a, a couple rounds of revision and then it went 3d printing. We made some changes from there and then it came, goes to hand sampling. So they like literally make a hand sample in the factory. It's kind of a little bit like a Frankenstein toy, you know, it's like kind of like cut and like glued and it like has a motor inside and that allows you to kind of like touch and feel it tangibly. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there we made more changes and like at some point we're like, okay, this is it. And then it goes into production sampling. So I simplified what is really about a six to eight month process. Wow. Um, ben, and in there we did things like, um, we had a sample, we picked, we were trying to find the right silicone colors and like source different silicone items online and sent them to our team, you know, to our production team. And we're like, match this silicone. And, you know, like we just, it was really fun. We really had a blast doing it. And then, it, you know, once we had production samples that it went through, you know, like a series of like actual product sampling, right. Bodies using it, interacting yeah. with it Is it strong enough, not strong enough. What are different ways that you've used it? Those, those type of things. And then we started on the packaging design and, and rolled it out. So it was, yeah, again, it sounds like I'm like simplifying it, but yeah, yeah. that's basically the entire process is just like idea references to the idea, getting somebody to draw it out properly, getting the, you know, the, the 3d sampling and then getting like, you know, like we went a couple rounds with the motors and the functions of the motors. So that's the, the basic process. Yeah, that's super cool. And uh, I remember we kind of talked about this at the Last Supper event, too, about uh, the process of testing. And you were saying how a lot of companies don't do any testing at all. Like, that's not really the industry standard. Um, yeah. And what's really unique, I think, about premium companies, and this is another thing that I kind of always tend to forget, but premium companies design their products. So I guess that seems like a really odd thing to say, but what I'm getting to is the point that I made to you is a lot of what we, I would say, like mass manufacturers, if you will, they'll go to China and their development process is essentially sourcing from a factory. So a factory has actually designed the product mm. and they're just buying the rights to use that. Um, and a lot of times the, 
I would say, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe things have shifted and changed. It's been at least, you know, seven or eight years since I've participated in that type of sourcing because I've worked for big mass companies doing that before. And I would say that like, you know, essentially you just go in and it's a showroom and you're picking an item off a shelf and like, it's never been product tested. Mm. Not to say that people don't, but I want to say the, the vast majority of people are just picking the item, putting it in a box, maybe changing the color, putting their, their brand name on it. Yeah. And that's it. And like that, yeah, that doesn't make it an item that like feels good or functions well, you know? Yeah. And why is it so important to test it on people rather than just putting it on? Um, yeah. Whether than just like let it roll out. Well, a couple different things. I mean, sometimes the way that products are designed, the person who designed it just had a really cool idea and made it a product and really had no understanding of like how it interacts with the body. Mm. For example, a lot of butt plugs are like straight up and down, which is like a little like, base right but there's a reason that butt plugs have a thinner neck it's actually so that they'll stay inside the body you know butt plugs are meant to go in and stay in and so if you design a butt plug and it does not have um enough of a narrow neck to stay inside the body it's going to pop out repeatedly when you're using it so say Mm -hmm. you put this butt plug in and you're like trying to use have the butt plug in while you're say playing with your front stuff um it's just literally popping out the entire time. So it makes your experience like really annoying. (laughs) You know, the product is supposed to go in and stay in and it's just like popping out the entire time. Um, Or maybe for example, like it's too shallow. So when it goes inside the vaginal canal, um, like maybe it hits the wrong spot or it's just not long enough or perhaps like sometimes what happens is like, if you think about like the shape of a rabbit, right? Um, Like the, sometimes the scoop will, will not sit actually on the clitoris at all Mm. so you put the product inside your body and then it doesn't sit on the clitoris so it's like kind of stuff like that which is real basic like if you understand or you've used sex toys and you enjoy them you're like oh this is why this doesn't work well or this thing is a piece of junk because so like those are the reasons why you want to test because and also you want to have it work for the most amount of bodies possible of course you can't always satisfy everyone but if somebody's just asking you to tweak something slightly and it's not going to affect the rest of the design. It's just going to make it more comfortable for, say, a smaller body size or a larger body size. Why would you not do that? You know, the, the whole goal is to make it, you know, the, like we, we make changes to our products all the time. Somebody's, for example, sometimes people request lower settings. It's not something that our product mm-hmm. testers did. And that's, okay, no problem. We had a lower setting. You know, maybe sometimes people want something that's more flexible. Like we've had texture covers and at first people didn't like the density of them. So we made them softer. And so it was, we, you know, you respond to user feedback as much as you can, because actually for us, the goal has always been for people to enjoy their sexual experience using our products. Right. Of course for me, you know, I'm, I, I like sex toys. I enjoy using them. And like, I'm, I'm that person who's been like, this thing is literally a piece of junk. Like no one has ever product tested it. It heats up. It doesn't close properly. It doesn't charge the right way. Like these are all realities of like, what tends to happen when you don't spend a lot of time developing a quality sex toy. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Definitely. Um, That's all the questions that I had for you. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say or talk about while I have you here? Well, I guess I just want to say thank you for like supporting us and like now coming out to like two cool events and like enjoying all the cool things we're doing. Yeah. It's really (laughs) been a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for inviting me to these events. They're so fun. (laughs) Such a good time. (laughs) Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
<laughs> we didn't acknowledge the fact that it's 420, but I hope you blaze it. Tonight. 420, puff, puff, pass. HC <laughs> lube. I totally forgot about Yeah. Are you going to smoke? Yeah, I'm going to smoke. It's 420, 2020. With your fam? My sister. And also because we are ending, we're not going to tell you to rate review subscribe you know that would be dope as like a last fond goodbye message to us if you left yeah. a review um we wanted to share some podcast recommendations and i'm just gonna go first and say my new podcast oral history coming out this thursday follow on instagram oral history pod um and also on my page you'll see a ton yeah i'm so excited for that because i love history podcasts Yay! Um, <laughs> and I wanted to recommend a few only because people have been asking me like what do I listen to now that you guys are done obviously listen to oral history amazing name I also really like call your girlfriend if you don't listen to it already uh, food for thought spelled how you think it is number four t-h-o-t it's like a sex gay podcast and hysteria for more cool. girls talking about cool shit um, I have a lot more recommendations I can put it on Instagram other than that, our codes are all still there, so you can use them. SMHPod7, all the things. It's SMHPod for most of them. It's only 7 for AdamEve.com. And we so will continue after. making money off of your purchases. So yeah, we get a little percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Thank you so much for listening, Guy. Thanks for joining us on this journey. It's been so incredible. Um, I know words can't encapsulate how this has been for the both of us. So I'm just going to stop talking now. And one last thing I want to impart is just like, remember you're a bad bitch and you deserve all the most amazing things in the world. You you. Ariel, but also everyone who's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye guys. We love you. Stay hot. Quarantine cuties. Mwah.